We have put some um, people here that have come from Mexico to be with us. <laughs> In fact, they traveled through the night. Long hours waiting in long lines to be with us this morning, to be all together in fellowship. And so I am just thanking the Lord for bringing our uh, Mexico uh, missionary team back safe and sound. Um, not without bumps and bruises, I understand that, but, uh, but definitely back safely. And so I, I'm not going to say anything about what took place in Mexico, but I am going to ask uh, Stephen Modesto and Moses to come up and they can share with you uh, what took place in Mexico. So come on up. Yeah. All right. Me first. All right. Can I get the first light? Alex. I'm not supposed to touch that. I've been warned. <laughs> Alex. Oh, I'm sorry, Ethan. Sorry. All right, there's, your, there's our mission team. Uh, this was Monday, about 7 a.m., or Monday. Wednesday, about 7 a.m., we took off for uh, Mexico. Uh, it takes about an hour or two to get down there, get across the border. Uh, we, get a, we get detoured because we, we've brought you know, thousands of dollars in construction, uh, building supplies and um, pay some taxes and move on. Um, uh, the purpose of going down there was to build a patio cover and to minister to the, the children and ladies of Casa Esperanza. Um, go ahead and move on to the next one. There's a lot of eating involved in mission strips. Uh, we had tacos about at least once a day, sometimes twice. Uh, this is one of the most amazing things about a mission strip is not just you know, you're, you're going down there, you're ministering, but you're building up this group. And there's, if you haven't been on a mission trip, there's nothing like just going and being out of your comfort zone, being with a group of people that you know, but maybe you don't know them as well, and just eating together and living together 24-7. So go ahead and on to the next one. So we, get, we went straight to Casa Esperanza on Wednesday because the forecast was for rain. And so we needed to get some work done before the rain came on Thursday. So we have the ladies here staining all of the lumber inside their chapel. And if you go on to the next one, so we worked digging holes all day and into the night. You can see uh, we're, we're working by uh, headlight, headlights from the cars, uh, getting all of it ready to pour concrete the next day. We anticipated it to be pouring, and so we were trying to get as much done. Um, how long, how late were we there? Uh, probably about nine, 12. Yeah, we were there late. So um, from there, we went and, and checked into the house. And uh, it's a house on the beach, which was a blessing, but it's still, don't, don't get me wrong, it's still dorm life uh, and iffy on whether you got a hot shower or not. And, and you were living next to people um, who snore, sorry, but, um, and make noise on the air mattress as it turns. And so you're not getting a great sleep, but it's a blessing anyway. Um, go ahead, go on to the next one. So we, we poured the columns that you can see there on uh, the thir Thursday. And then uh, we worked very hard, uh, manual, you know, digging the concrete, putting it in the mixer. Um, we have George, who's our concrete expert, leading us, and Modesto, our construction expert, putting it all together. Uh, and then about halfway through the day, we got enough done. Then we do what we, the mission we came to do, which is to minister to the kids. 
So we, we put on a carnival that, that we do every year, and the kids and the, the ladies there just absolutely light up as you go through, and you get to interact with the kids multiple times because there's 15, 20 games, and there's 30 kids, and we, go, we do it for hours, and we give them tickets. They can turn them in for prizes, and they just come back, and you, even those of us who don't speak Spanish, you know, you, you, can, you can say the little bit you have, and uh, Ultra Vest, you're going to play this game again. And uh, it's just a blessing to interact with them. You get to get to know them, get to minister. And then we, we served them food, uh, pretty much a Thanksgiving dinner. And then all of the gifts that, that you all had provided for the, the kids we, and the ladies, we, we hand those out that night. Um, did something a little different this time, and we, uh, we ate with the family. So we were all in, in the cafeteria there eating with them, which was a blessing. Go ahead and go on to the next ones. So this is, this is all the kids that we were uh, part of, the, and the ladies at Casa Esperanza after the, the carnival. Go on to the next slide. And then here's almost the, almost the patio cover all done. Um, I want to thank George for putting on a works program for unskilled office workers. <laughs> so there, you don't have to be in construction in order to go. So we, it was uh, Jeff, Nick, and I. We, we work on computers. We sit on our butts. Um, so, but he, she, he put us to work all day, uh, moving all of the dirt and leveling it so that it's ready to pour. And then, um, I want to thank Modesto for, uh, especially for the way he ministered to Chase. We have an eight-year-old. He, he was up on the, on the roof and Modesto's got a little apprenticeship going on up there and he's showing him what to do and this is how it's done. And, and all of the work ethic behind it. And then he has, you know, training for 50-plus people who he, he trusted me with a nail gun to start firing stuff in. He gave me a job, though, where there were specific holes and specific places for me to put it. Thank you for that. Uh, so it felt like I was a construction guy for about 20 minutes. Um, but all in all, so there's, it was a blessing. So there's lots of things that go on when you're on a missions trip. You're there to, we're there to build, we're there to build up those people, but we're also there to build up everybody who is in the team. There's nothing like that. And then, most importantly, while you're on the mission trip, uh, God's building up you. He's working in each and every one of the team members. Uh, how to show grace, how to be out of your comfort zone, how to be used uh, when you don't think you can be useful. And uh, let me tell you that, and this can apply to outside of mission trip, the further God gets you out of your comfort zone, the more you're going to be blessed. So when you're thinking, I don't want to do that. That doesn't sound, that's not me. That's, I'm not going to be comfortable doing that. The farther you get out of the comfort zone, the more you're going to be blessed. And that's how God works. I think that's all I have to say. Well, I didn't have any slides to show. You know, you would think that uh, being the head of construction, I would come up and talk about the building and how it all went, the nails that were driven in and the plywood that was cut and laid down, but that, that wasn't the purpose. Purpose was the matters of the heart. God is after our hearts. And I'm here to tell you that my heart is deceitfully wicked.
And although there was a, a great plan that was executed and done and, and the product that was turned out was great, that wasn't the purpose why God had every one of us there. He was calling us there for a specific purpose and a reason to reveal what needed to be revealed, to encourage, to, to strengthen, to edify one another. And although this, this trip seemed like it went off with, without a hitch, without a flaw, Satan still had his hands in it, in, in pride, in, in wickedness and evilness, and, and in my own heart itself. And, and even just this morning as we were singing the songs that, that the worship team was singing, and the Lord was just, just ministering to me from that very trip. And I think that God calls us to those certain ministries and trips and and this one seemed like there was no, there was no rest. It seemed like that. It was normally we get one where you get a few hours off at the, the end of the day and it's still daylight and you get to just kind of relax and, and enjoy it. But this one was, uh, was nonstop. And, and, and that angered my heart. It angered me, uh, myself. And, and I had to deal with that myself and that sometimes they, they don't go the way you want them to go. Sometimes life isn't the way you want it to, to be. And it's not until you, you, you get to one of those missionary trips and you, you're actually serving the Lord in, in whatever it is that you're doing and the Lord just ministers to you that change your heart. Change your heart. You're doing it for the wrong reasons. And although the construction went well, like I said, and everything happened the way that it did and, and they were so blessed uh, by it, Again, that wasn't the purpose. Purpose was my heart for me for on that trip. As I'm sure with many others that were on the trip, the purpose was the heart. The purpose was endurance. The purpose was fellowship with one another. Many different reasons why the Lord had each and every one of us there. And so uh, it, although it was a different trip because uh, our, our head, head shepherd uh, wasn't with us this time and it was rare, um, uh, it, it was still a blessing, um, and the Lord did a mighty work. I know he did through me, and I know he did through the others that were at the trip. And so um, I just want to encourage you, the next time one of these trips comes around, uh, be ready for it. The Lord is calling. The Lord is calling us. As we sang uh, that song, he's calling us. He's desiring for us to get busy, to get to work, to serve him. Uh, all we are to do is say, here I am. Here I am, Lord. Send me. So I'd encourage you next time, get, get signed up for one of those missionary trips. God bless. Can we go to the first slide? So uh, I know it was going to be cold down there, and um, I'm in shorts and a t-shirt and sandals, and I'm in sandals today because I had no clean socks, but... Uh, I thought I told everyone it was going to be warm. It was supposed to rain every single day while we were down there, except one. And um, we were driving down and, and just praying. It was like, Lord, stop the rain so that we can just build the, the construction job that you have called us to build. And uh, I think it sprinkled for about five minutes there uh, during the build while we were working. Yeah. And um, the Lord stopped the rain. And so he allowed us to build. Um, every step of the way, the Lord has guided and provided for 
uh, what he has called us to do. Um, every single person there, 25 people, had answered the call to go. And uh, you can see what three young kids under 10 had gone down just to be used by the Lord. And it was, uh, it was neat to see that because they didn't worry about whether they could speak the language or whether their friends would understand them. They just ran and played with them. They had a love to um, and a desire to want to build a friendship. And I think Chase even now is planning for next year's uh, missions trip to bring presents for the boy that he uh, made friends with. So it's really neat um, what the Lord does in our hearts. But I want to encourage everyone in this that, yes, we went down as a team. We were blessed to be able to build. We were blessed to be able to minister to the women and children. But everyone here takes part in the blessings. In uh, 2 Samuel chapter 30, David talks about, uh, or talks about uh, the Israelites coming back from war against the Amaleks. And all the men were angry because the people that stayed home were going to get part of the blessings. And David said, whoa, whoa, they stayed home and watched the supplies while we were out doing what the Lord called us to do. And that's you guys. You guys had stayed home. There were many praying for us. There were uh, many times where we sent a text and it was, hey, we are in this situation. Just pray for us. And many prayed. And it seems like seconds later, the prayers were answered. Um, so it's really neat how the Lord does that. But you guys get all the same blessings that we get in heaven. And that's really what we're working for is um, the crowns of glory in heaven, just to bring glory to the Lord. Um, you know, there's many pictures that we have that uh, look like great times, and they are. Um, but I hate to leave the place knowing that there's many that are there without salvation. Um, you know, many there who may never accept the Lord. Um, we've witnessed to many of them, uh, not knowing whether or not they were saved, but the heart is to make sure salvation is offered every single time. And, uh, you know, Casa Esperanza, the, the leaders there, they do a great job um, with these women, constantly giving them scripture, but continue to pray for Casa. They, they really need it. So um, thank you guys again for all your love and support. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. The team uh, has been built up. Um, I think I'm closer to Andy and Brandy that were riding in my car um, for many reasons. I won't share them, but uh, just <laughs> laughing and, and enjoying the ride. Um, and yeah, like my like Pastor had said, there were bumps and bruises uh, along the way, um, health issues and and the van getting hit and everything. But God is still good, and He is still on the throne. And we are still here. And even if we weren't, God is still good and God still sits on the throne. So thank you guys. Yeah, for whatever reason, uh, the Lord had me stay back. And so I had to be obedient to the Lord <clears throat> in that. But at the same time, I was looking at the pictures and uh, in hearing and seeing the chatter go in between them, especially when they were preparing to leave, and it was like, oh man, I want to go. What if I show up? Like just Wednesday morning, show up. Like let's go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's go. But um, but no, praise praise God for all that He did. Um, and there's more to come, right? There's there's more work to be done, and I'm super excited to. 
right now, what's happening in the hearts of the, the women, so that, that home is for uh, women who have been abused and, um, and battered, and so they care for them. They bring them in, them and their kids, and they, they just love on them, minister to them in the name of the Lord. And so I, I am sure that at this very moment, um, they are remembering just the things, the times, the words that you shared with them, and uh, may the Lord make those words resonate with them and remind them of the love of Christ. Well, um, you can ask them, uh, the whole team, uh, well, I don't know, most of the team is here, right? They're going to be standing in the back or else they'll fall asleep. They literally got in this morning, some at 2.30, and then some had uh, farther to drive, and so they got in at what, like 4 in the morning, yeah. 4.30? Yeah, 4.30. All right. Well, open up your Bibles with me to 1 John chapter 3. That's where we are this morning. 1 John chapter 3. And the title of this morning's message is Confidence in Christ. Confidence in Christ. We're covering verses 19 through 24, so we're concluding this chapter this morning, 1 John chapter 3. Let's begin by reading, beginning in verse 11. I'm sorry, not 11, and we're covering 19 through 24. So let's, let's uh, begin by, by reading in verse uh, 19. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts, our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. We thank you, Lord, that we can have confidence that we have eternal life. And so I ask, Lord, that you would speak to us this morning, Lord, that you would, Lord, give us that confidence. If we, if we do indeed possess eternal life, Father, May our hearts be reassured by your word. I also ask, Father, that if perhaps we've been fooling ourselves in regards to our confidence in Christ, Lord, if there's no fruit whatsoever, if, if there's nothing that aligns with your word, to have that assurance that today would be the day of salvation. That this morning would be a moment of confession at some point. That we, Lord, would completely yield to your authority and your lordship in our lives. That we would, would know salvation by your grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And so, Father, Lord, minister to us as only you can, as only your word can. Give us understanding of your word by the power of your Holy Spirit. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, John writes uh, back in verse 28 of chapter 2. 
He says, I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. That is verse 26. My eyes are deceiving me. Verse 28 says this, And now, little children, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. You know, in, the, in our faith, in our walk with the Lord, there may be points that are times that we have doubt. That we wonder, you know, we even, uh, at the very beginning, Ray shared some scripture about the, the beloved and sweet psalmist of Israel. How was that in those, uh, those deep, dark moments, sometimes we wonder where God is, and yet, as we read through the psalms, we realize that the psalmist always comes to the conclusion, realizing that the Lord is faithful. He's always there. John, the Apostle John, and all those that were with him in that day knew that God indeed is faithful. He sent the Messiah to come and die on our behalf that we may know eternal life through him. Their desire, as it is God's desire, is that we abide in Christ. And so John writes we, that we are to abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. John then goes on to point out that the person who practices righteousness has been born of the Spirit and then reminds us of the love of God that was shown through his Son. And then again tells us that everyone whose hope is Jesus purifies himself as he is pure. We desire, you see, to reflect the very character of Jesus Christ in our lives. From there, John makes a clear distinction between the child of God and the child of the devil. The child of God knowing eternal life and the child of the devil knowing eternal condemnation. As we learned last week, we went over the fact that the child of the devil does not practice righteousness, nor does he love his brother. But we need to stop for a moment because even last week, I'd made the point that we are not used to, in this world, we are not used to hearing plain truth. You see, in a world that says you can be whatever you want to be, a boy can be a girl, a girl can be a boy, even a person can be a cat or whatever furry animal you want to be. <laughs> and even rebranding what a pedophile is by giving them the title of a minor attracted person. In that kind of a world, it's important for the church to stand in and on truth and distinguish what is false from what is true. The world would like you to believe that you make life to be whatever it is that you want to make of it. Nothing matters but your temporary happiness. And that salvation from the condemnation of sin is unnecessary because it does not exist. You don't, you don't need that. It's a fairy tale. 
All of this, as we know, is simply not true. For God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Genesis 1.27. And it was because of Adam's sin that death came, but righteousness through Jesus Christ. Romans 5.18 says, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men. And why was that necessary? It was because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So in a world that promotes and practices immorality and duplicity, the church promotes and practices biblical morality and truth, honesty. Oh, it should be refreshing as we come. We endure the world. We hopefully persevere through the week. And, and then come on a Wednesday or come on a Sunday or come to Bible study uh, for the men's study on a Monday or the women's on a Tuesday. And we hear what is true. You know, C.H. Spurgeon wrote this, quote, Jesus Christ will not tone down the truth of Scripture to suit your carnal taste. Therefore, honestly, truthfully, According to God's word, bluntly, plainly said, according to scripture, if you don't practice righteousness and you don't love your brother, as it has been defined by scripture and exemplified by Christ, then you don't belong to Christ and you don't have salvation. But if you do, then know that you have passed out of death into life because you love the brothers. So it's practice. It's a righteousness that's practice. It's who you are and what you desire to do in your life. Why? Because you love Christ. And therefore, because you love Christ, you will demonstrate it, demonstrate it by your obedience to keeping his commandments and therefore, love each other. So the question is, our confidence in Christ, do you have it? Do you have confidence in Christ? Does John desire that those who do practice righteousness and love their brothers have confidence that they have eternal life, as it says in chapter 5 and verse 13 of 1 John? And God desires that you know that you belong to him. You know, as a... As a father, one of the things that I want my children to know is that I love them. No matter what they do, they can be disciplined and yet know that I love them. I want them to understand that they can come to me at any time. They can, they can tell me anything. Even if it breaks my heart, I want them to know that they are my children. How much more? How much more does God want you to know and not doubt that you belong to him? You know, the enemy would have us think that maybe we don't belong to him. And yet the Lord desires, oh, that you may have confidence 
that we may live our lives in such a way that we have a humble confidence knowing that we belong to him and he belongs to us. And it is only by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. It's a gift. That we don't take that relationship for granted. But we cherish it. And we live our lives in such a way that we honor him and him alone. We bless him. He desires that we have confidence in Christ. Let's first uh, talk about the heart. In verses 19 through 21, let's read them once again. It says, by this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. And he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. You know, again, you know, referring to the world, because the world is, uh, man, if we allow it to, it'll have its way with us. The world would have you believe that you are to trust your heart. You've heard that said, right? Trust your heart. If it makes your heart happy. Another way of saying this is to go with what your gut tells you, right? Or really go with what your, your feelings are. Gut feeling is defined this way, as a feeling or reaction based on an instinctive emotional response rather than considered thought. That's the definition of it. And yet we are encouraged day in and day out to go with our gut feeling, whether it be relationships, whether it be finances. I like to think that it has not seeped into the, the, the thinking uh, within the church of the people of God. But we can be influenced, right? We can repeat those same things within the, within the fellowship of the saints. But again, I, here's how it's defined, a feeling or reaction based on an instinctive emotional response rather than considered thought. Question is, is that how we're supposed to live our lives and think they'll be what they should be and just, just act, don't think? As Christians, should we go by our quote-unquote gut feelings? The answer should be a resounding no, right? No, absolutely not. But many do, and they even... At, Times call it God's plan when they, they feel good about it. I feel good about this. I feel good about the choices that I've made. Before you go along with that, we have to know that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? It says in Jeremiah 17.9, in fact, Christianity is is all about thinking. It's all about knowing. It's all about discerning. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, the Apostle Paul writes, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And take every thought captive to obey Christ. Being ready, punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. 
No, we are called to think. We are called to discern that which is true and that which is false. Again, C.H. Spurgeon said, quote, the soldier of Christ, if you enlist, you will have to do hard battle, close quote. So it's day in and day out. It's making sure that we take these thoughts captive and we subject them to the authority of God according to his word by the understanding that we are given by the Holy Spirit. In fact, in 2 Timothy 2.15, as a believer, we are to, as it says in the King James Version, study to show yourself or thyself approved unto God. You are to present yourself approved to God, a student of the very word of God, being diligent to give yourself to the study of God's word, that you may be able to discern that which is false from that which is true. You as a follower of Jesus Christ are to understand that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work, according to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Therefore, if we know that the heart is deceitful above all things, if we know that the heart is wicked, if we know that the heart is desperately sick and can't be understood, would you trust it? Knowing all these things, would you trust it? Listen, if we wouldn't trust a person who's like this, why would we trust our heart that is like this? And yet, we are encouraged to do so by the world. But having been born again by the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Spirit, and have not only confessed Jesus as Lord, but you're also, in that moment, a different person, completely different, different creature in Christ, knowing that you have new life in him, what happens is your renewed heart begins to love like never before. You desire the things of God. Something you perhaps have never thought would be possible because you never knew it. And your love for others, well, that's on a whole different level. It's just different. According to God's word, reassure your heart. According to God's word. Not your gut feeling. Not, not what you declare, but really what is true according to the word of God. Reassure your heart before God. That is important for us to understand. In verse 19, it says, By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. Listen, God is greater than your heart. So we should put the word above our heart 
Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Trust that. Trust God. Trust his word. That his word is greater than a heart that condemns. And so if you doubt whether you belong to God or not, Look to the very word of God and reassure your heart before him. Verse 22 says, And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. So we deal with the heart and then we deal, deal with the will. When you stand confident in the word of God and the glory of God is your chief goal, then you will happily yield to the will of the Lord, your king. And you will thus ask accordingly. I was thinking about just physically coming before a sovereign. How you would approach. How you would speak. What you would say. We need to keep that in mind when we come to the Lord. If, if we belong to him, then no, we can, we can enter boldly into the throne of grace, that, that place of mercy and place of help before the very God who created us. And if we keep that in mind, and he indeed is our king and our Lord, then what we ask will not be for ourselves what will, but will be for his glory, to honor him. C.H. Spurgeon said, quote, the Christian's business, first, to learn Christ's will. Second, to do it. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. How, how do you approach Jesus? Is it in that way? I want to keep your commandments, Lord. Lord, I humble myself before you. I ask for your forgiveness for falling short once again. I submit myself to you. May your will be, will be done, not mine. Even Solomon in Ecclesiastes 12.13 said, The end of the matter all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Moses wrote in Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. You know, when we consecrate ourselves unto Jesus Christ, abiding in him, then what we prefer is his will. That his will be our will. That our, our desire would be, would be in line with his desire. That what we do is according to his commandments and do what pleases him. And then when we come to that place of, of prayer, whether it be individually in our own prayer closet 
privately or corporately within the body of Christ. What begins to happen as we get to know who God is in his word, what happens is those prayers align with his word. That's what we desire. That's what we pray. Oh, Lord, help us to spread the gospel. Help us. Help me to encourage others to follow Jesus Christ. Help me to speak words of a man who is a witness and a, test, and a testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ, a child of God. Why? Because we desire to fulfill the great commission, to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We desire to do the work of an evangelist, as it says in God's word. Why? Because we know that we have the message of reconciliation. We know that there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. We know that if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. We desire to tell others the good news of Jesus Christ. What happens as we get to know the word of God is that our prayers change from being self-centered to being God-centered desiring to do his will. And when we approach the throne, whether it be in health or not, we realize naked we came into the world, naked we will live, we will leave. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And we can, with the Apostle Paul, say to live as Christ and to die as gain. We can know contentment no matter what state we're in, contentment in Christ. You see, this is a willful surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. As we pray, as we seek him, as our prayers align with his will, it expresses a willful surrender, a complete trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and express a confidence in him. We ask According to his commandments, we ask according to what pleases him. Not to spend things on our own or ourselves. But we ask that whatever it is that he entrusts to us may be used for his glory. So the heart and the will is addressed here. Again, that we shall know that we are of the truth. But lastly, there's this commandment in verse 23. It says, and this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us and by the spirit whom he has given us. If your heart is assured by the word of God and the word of God is your will, then the command of God is what we desire to follow. 
with complete trust and faith in our Savior. The command referred to here, to believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another just as he commanded us, means that we are to, number one, rely on Jesus Christ. In other words, trust in his faithfulness. Even when we're faithless, he is faithful, for he cannot deny himself. As we trust in his faithfulness, we therefore love others as he has commanded us. Whether we feel like it or not, we are to make every attempt to love on one another as he has called us to love one another. Oh, if you have aught with one another, you are to, you know that you've offended someone else. Leave your gift at the altar. Go and do everything you can to make it right with them. As much as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. Do everything you can. You want to follow up with anyone that you have perhaps some ill feelings toward. Maybe you, uh, you think that someone looked at you a little wrong or said something that kind of uh, didn't sit right with you. Go to that person. You have to go to that person. That's how God has called us to love one another. See, agape love is, is, is self-sacrificing. It considers God above us. In fact, the word says to esteem others more than ourselves. We leave our pride aside and we go to the other person. And we seek to restore and to reconcile and to love. That is what it means to trust in the Lord. To obey his commandments. And demonstrate a love toward him. You know, something as simple as, you know, and, I, and sometimes I just think of the, the plain, the ordinary, the everyday, you know, things that we do. And, um, you know, I think about, you know, the different subjects in the Bible. Uh, with this, as far as having faith, having trust in, in something, we can look at something as simple as this. A couple weeks ago, I went snowboarding with a couple of my boys, uh, Christopher and Isaiah. And um, have you ever been snowboarding or skiing? Anyone? Well, you get on these lifts. These lifts um, sometimes can be pretty high above the snow underneath, or if it hasn't snowed very much, above the rocks. But you know, something as simple as this. I trusted the lift to hold me, to not drop me, and deliver me to the top of the hill. Now, if I had just said, no, I, I trust the lift, and sat there on the bottom of the hill, would you know that I actually trusted the lift? No, you wouldn't, right? Be like, well, you say you trust the lift, but you, you have not gone over there and actually sat on, on the lift and allowed it to take you to the top. No, but I am genuine in my declaration of my, my trust in the lift. 
It will take me to the top. I trust that. Like, all right. At the same time, I haven't demonstrated a faith, a, a trust in the lift. But the moment you see me, right, get on that lift and allow it to take me up to the top, then you know, oh, he trusts in the lift. He trusted that it would take him to the top. Now, if I did that over and over and over again, it, it, would, be, it would be reassured in your own heart as it is in mine. I, I know in my own heart, I, 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 tr I do trust the lift. Now, that can fail. That can, that can drop me at any moment. We know that. Cables fail. Equipment fails and all of that. In fact, at one point, the lift stopped, and then it started going backwards. I thought, no, 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 no. What is going on here? But, but it did. Listen, those things can fail us, but God will never fail us. Do you believe that? then we trust in the word of God. We follow it out, and then we do it again. And then we do it again. And then we do it again. And you know what happens is that our hearts are reassured that the word of God is true and faithful. Oh, he is, yes and amen. You see, a child demonstrates their love for their parents by acting in obedience to their commands. When a child jumps off the edge of the pool into the water to the father or mother in the pool, they are expressing faith in their parents' ability and, and their word that they will catch them and be held and not allow them to drown. I, I saw a video of a, of a little toddler that was jumping on off a, a stack of hey, <laughs> the other day, into the arms of his father. And I thought, there's no pool underneath. There's no water. And yet this, this little toddler was jumping off and being caught by the, by the dad. How much more should we know that God is faithful every single time? 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Therefore, as you trust in God's faithfulness, and as you act in obedience to God's word, you know that you are abiding in Jesus, and therefore have eternal life. Oh, God, against, again, wants us to be reassured. He wants us to know, oh, we indeed have a relationship with the Father. Why? Because as we look at Scripture and we see how it is that we can know that we have eternal life, we understand, I do have that desire. Oh, yes, I doubt at times, but for the most part, I love the Lord and I, I want to glorify Him. I want to honor Him. I make every effort to draw close to Him. I'm not doing it perfectly, but I, I do love my brethren. I, I can't stand to be away from you. Some people can't stand to be around family. 
It's for other reasons. But the family of God, there should be a longing for the fellowship. I can tell you that the whole reason why the team came back last night and were willing to travel all night, and some of them, most of them are here this morning, is because they wanted to be here. That's why. Because they didn't sleep in their own beds, <laughs> maybe for a couple hours. But it's because they wanted to be here. That's why. When, when you desire to bless the Lord, you will sacrifice, and you're, you, you will do it willfully. You'll do it joyfully. You'll know exactly why you're doing what you're doing. Why you are who you are. But we are reassured by the Lord, by his word, by his very spirit. Romans 8, 9 says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. And so the spirit of God dwells in us, and it is the very spirit of God. By his spirit that we know that we belong to him. Romans 8, 16 says, The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. In 1 John 5, 3, it says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. This is key, and his commandments are not burdensome. They're not burdensome. The heart, the will, the command. Yeah, it is chapter 3. <laughs> the heart, the will, the command. Uh, number one, assure the heart. God is greater than your heart. God's word is greater. Always remember that. Go back to the word. Everything that pertains to life and godliness is found through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 1.3. Remember that. Secondly, yield to his will. Yield your will to Jesus and then ask accordingly. Know him and then ask according to his will. Thirdly, trust in Christ. Know Jesus is trustworthy and he will never, ever, ever, ever fail you. God desires that you know that you belong to him and know, therefore, that you are of the truth as you walk in the truth, abiding in Christ. For apart from him, we can do nothing, nothing at all. So confidence in Christ, you have it. I pray that you do have it. My hope is that you do have it. And that perhaps this morning you were encouraged with what we covered. If you're here and you don't know a relationship with Jesus Christ, salvific relationship with, with Jesus Christ, know that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, why do we know uh, or need salvation? It's because we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Knowing that the wages of sin is death. But also know this, as we spoke about and acknowledge the fact that God loves us with an everlasting love, God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, the moment we realize it's our sin that separates us from a relationship with the Father, and that as Jesus said in, in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
that there is salvation truly in no one else. When we acknowledge that, we realize that it's not, it's not religion, it's not a series of acts that we can do to outweigh the sin that we have committed in our lives that earns us a spot in heaven. It's God's grace. It's his gift, and he offers it. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And as we acknowledge his goodness, as we acknowledge his grace, and we yield to his lordship, Jesus Christ, then we are ready to confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord because we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. For everyone who, who cries out, who, who cries out for salvation to the Lord will be saved. And so I pray that today would be the day of salvation. That you don't, you don't push that off for any other day for tomorrow is not promised to us. This afternoon is not promised to us. You know, we, we hear the news of so many people just dying suddenly, right? Did you know that that's always been going on? That's, that's been going on for years and years and years since the fall of Adam. Just like that. We are not promised this afternoon or tomorrow or tonight. And so... I implore you, if you do not know Jesus as your Savior, as your Lord, may today be the day of salvation. As we close in prayer, I would ask that you specifically would confess your sin to the Lord. In other words, agreeing that you have sinned and ask him to be your Lord and Savior, to forgive you of your sins, cleanse you from everything that is an offense to God, and to be your Lord and Savior. Father, we thank you, Lord, and for the confidence that we can have in Christ. Oh, Lord, there's no one else, no one else that has the words of life, of eternal life, but you. I pray, Lord, that as a church, you would Lord, help us to reassure, reassure our hearts according to your word. And Lord, that if there's some area in our lives that do not align with your will, your word, Lord, that we would, that we would repent, Lord, and turn to you. Lord, that we would know that peace that surpasses all understanding. Your word tells us, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. To let our requests be made known to you and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Lord, guard our hearts and our minds. Let us not be anxious for anything, but be content in our relationship with Jesus Christ and help us, Lord, to walk in the spirit that we would not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Help us to not only not doubt, but also walk in humble confidence before you. So Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. And we pray this all in Jesus' name.